Next Thing with Jing is made possible through generous funding from Accelerate, Technovation, Cleveland Leadership Center, Citizens Bank, Citizens Make Change, and the Cleveland Foundation. Hola, como esta? Hello, hello. I'm Jing Lowenko. Welcome to Next Thing with Jing, a podcast where we spark your next chapter and new adventure, starting now. I'm your host, Jing Lowenko, brand strategist, chief optimist, Filipino founder of Other Brown Girl, the original OBG. Subscribe to Next Thing with Jing on your favorite podcast player to get notified of the latest episodes as they launch. So delighted you're here. Welcome to the show. Let's go. Stephanie Genese is a writer and wannabe comedian from South Lorraine, Ohio. She is the daughter of a Puerto Rican mother and an Italian immigrant father. She currently lives in Cleveland with her two children. Onto Dogs is her debut book of poetry. Stephanie Ginese is the residency coordinator at Spaces, a published poet and writer. Her work focuses on cultural identity, Caribbean politics, and the feminine experience. Her work has been featured in Polabritas Journal at Harvard, Chief Ladazine at St. Susia, Homology Lit, and Wax 9. Her debut collection of poems, Onto Dogs, is due for publication July 23rd, 2022, via Griefland. She was a recipient of a 2021 Inudos por el Arte grant from the Julio de Burgos Cultural Arts Center for her literary work. She currently sits on the planning committee for Cleveland Drafts and the programming committee for Literary Cleveland. She also led a series of workshops for the Neighborhood Voices Project for Literary Cleveland, which culminated in a published anthology. She served as the director of programs in residence for 12 literary arts for three years, in which time she co-created and developed the Barbara Smith Writer in Residence program, as well as the publishing arm of the organization 12 Arts Press, currently working on completing her Associate of Arts degree at Cuyahoga Community College with plans to complete a Bachelor's of Fine Art in Creative Writing. She hopes to find herself in a writer's room for film or television in the near future. Stephanie, hola Stephanie. Hey, hey, welcome to the pod. It's so good to see you and spend time with you. For having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I've only seen you in Zoom screen grids through Lit Cleveland. Of course, I've seen you with spaces, but congrats with your book. It's so beautiful and all the thrilling things. How are you feeling this week? I'm feeling excited, less anxious than I thought I would. Good. More excited, not really nervous, but a little nervous, you know, just a little, <laughs> like healthy amount of nervous, more excited than anything. <laughs> that's a good thing. Well, I think that's true when everyone is like on their edge and growing and I smiled and was so happy seeing your beautiful cover and tell us who the artist is. So the original artwork was done by an artist in Puerto Rico named ah. Carolina Mercado. Oh, okay. She's great. Look her up if you can. Um, She also like write really great music review articles. Yeah, she's really dope. And then the design of the book cover was Angelo Minaj. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. So much heart and soul. Yeah, no, it's so exciting. And I know you have a party plan. Do we want to talk about that? I do. So (laughs) uh, next Saturday, July 23rd, the book's We're having a birthday party. (laughs) Really? party um, and reading. It will be at Jukebox over on West 29th Street, 3 p.m. and be a reading, um, a Q&A hosted by Isabella Moreno. 
who oh leads gosh. a really great Latina book club here in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Um, there will Love be some it. snacks, some Puerto Rican food, some uh, sounds by DJ Hama. So, oh my gosh, it sounds lit, Stephanie. <laughs> I'm like, can you not? I mean, it's like a little bit a week away, and I am so happy to be meeting you and sharing and celebrating your lifetime achievement on the pod. So, thank you for coming on during such a busy time, and I'm just delighted and thrilled. And you want to be there, people. I think it's going to be fantastic. And you waiting to throw this party, (laughs) (laughs) throw it down. And also you've had other readings there because I think I wanted to catch and I wasn't able to. Have you had other readings at Jukebox? So I have. I had one at the end of May. I think it was the end of May. We did it. Um, Cleveland had a reading with a bunch of really dope featured poets. I got to read on that lineup with Cortez Harris, Angelo, the book jacket designer, And yeah, it was a really good time. That's awesome. I know Brooke. And so that's a special place. It's nice to be able to have some place that holds that, those memories and and things like that. And you're right across the street from Spaces too. So we actually got to know each other even more through the Urgent Art Fund grant. And I'm very grateful. Congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, again, just happy to talk to you today about things. And I I will also say a last shout out here and gushing, Stephanie, check her out September 10th with Noor Hindi. She is doing an awesome Of Dogs and Bones panel, a dialogue on political poetry and linguistic activism at the Cleveland Public Library. Yeah, I'm super excited. Michelle, uh, love Michelle Smith, one of the best poets in the city, reached out to me and was like, do you want to do this panel with Noor? I think it would be great to collaborate. Also, I love Noor. I haven't read her book. It's phenomenal. And I'm just really excited to like sit down. And Noor was also like somebody who really championed my book and was there in like early phases, who was like, this book needs to get written, you know? So I'm just really excited to like sit down and talk about our books together. And Oh my gosh, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. And it's so interesting to see that just the convergence, right? All these energies coming into formation right now. And so I'm really, really excited for you. And I want to talk about all the things. I am curious really quick because I know you're going to talk about it in these upcoming weeks, but can you share with people who are listening your inspiration behind the name of your book? And is this something that you've thought about since you were little? I got to say too, we talked about this, your photos, your kiddo photos were adorable. (laughs) In fact, I think I reached out to you after I saw on your Instagram, Stephanie, the one where you're sitting on the floor with all these books around you and stuffed animals. Were you always a reader and writer and poet? And tell me about the book. Like, is this something you've always dreamed about? Yes. So... I, for as long as I can remember, have always said I wanted to be a writer. Um, I would spend plenty of time in my room just writing in a notebook. I remember Mm -hmm. the exact like short story I was writing in that picture where I'm on the floor. How old are you? Like, are you 11 or 12? I think I was like, yeah, like 10, 11 in that Yeah, Yeah, my room is really, really messy in that photo. Uh (laughs) Very creative. No, I was seeing it more like, wow. There's like no bed in the photo. (laughs) Okay, mom. (laughs) But I- was a little bit of time where I was (laughs) No, I loved how busy and creative, like I could feel that energy sitting on the floor. Cause I think again, other Brown girl, I think that that's what drew me to you is like, 
oh my gosh, I used to draw, you know, do journals. And everyone had that moment with themselves where they see themselves or hear themselves perhaps on the page first. So that's what I was curious about. Yeah. So I, yeah, always wanted to be a writer. I would carry around a notebook. I had these dreams. I was like, I'm going to move to New York City and I'm going to write for like Rolling Stone and like write books. And, you know, I remember listening to like a book on tape my mom had gotten me and I would just like lay on the floor of my room and like play it over and over again. So writing has always been there. Even like when I was like, you know, younger, I was a 90s kid. So of course I grew up on like rap um, and hip hop culture. And some of my first like big inspirations were DMX. Love it. Nas and Mariah Carey. Because yes. Go back and like sort of look at the lyrics and like listen yeah. to them. They were all like really powerful songwriters, you know, mm-hmm. like very poetic in the way that they wrote. I remember listening to Mariah Carey and be like, oh my God, she uses such big words in her songs. <laughs> and <laughs> so like, uh, yeah. that's my trifecta. That's how I, I got it. I love it. Hailing from <laughs> South Lorraine. I love it. And I would love to talk to you about your your name, beautiful name, your heritage, Puerto Rican, Italian, and obviously American. And I, I've actually been to, Port- I don't know if I mentioned this. I've been to Puerto Rico before. I've been to Cagua. It's the Caguas, place where, yeah. Yes, yeah, beautiful. I remember the beautiful peacocks in the town square. I'm like, why doesn't everyone in the world have beautiful peacocks in a town square? But can you tell me a little bit about your background and your name yeah. and just the inspiration around how you came into the world? I sure will. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So my mom is Puerto Rican. She moved to the U.S. Okay, so my family like kind of moved around a lot. My grandparents, my grandpa was in the service when he was of age. You know, he'd spent his whole life on the island and he was like, I got to get out of here. I need, you know, more to explore. So he joined the service back when it was like the Army Air Corps before it was the Air Force. Fascinating. And so he had come to the States. Mm-hmm. And my grandma and him actually met at a house party in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love, and the rest is history, right? That's yeah, basically, they moved like oh. back to Puerto Rico. So my mom was actually born in Lorraine because yeah, there was like family here. It was like when all the migration started to happen and folks uh-huh. from the island were moving to the States. Lorraine uh-huh. was like a big industry town. We had a, a steel plant factory. Yeah. And so they came to Lorraine. My mom was actually born in Lorraine and then they moved back to the island and they were there until my mom was about eight and then they moved back to Lorraine. My dad is Italian and he came to the States when he was like in his 20s. Goodness. So he's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so are you trilingual? So Italian? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I um I know a little bit of Spanish, like enough to like survive if yeah. I needed to. But I think my mom, you know, she was picked on for her accent or for not being able to speak as well. And I think was like, no, you were like such a good reader. Your dad didn't speak Spanish. He only spoke like Italian and like his, you know, bit of English that he spoke. Yeah. And so I think they all just tried with English. English to keep it, you know, right. neutral. And so I'm a little sad that I'm not fluent Aww. in both of their languages, but I'm trying to learn Spanish. And yeah, I think yeah. Spanish, like Italian will come easier. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of, you know. I just say those two generations you just shared and those two love stories. I'm thinking <laughs> like, oh my gosh, the dinner table, right? The foods, the, the cross-cultural holidays. And I will say too, same, and I see you, Stephanie, is I wish I were more fluent in Filipino, which is Tagalog. I understand, but yeah. the same. My mom wanted us to, you know, assimilate.
assimilate. And then even our next generations, like I can't pass on that addition, even the cooking. I mean, I have friends who are, I'm like, am I really Filipino? I can't cook. I can't talk. And they too, that your work is so powerful and it feels like it comes from another place, another space, your heritage. I can feel that. And so I want to thank you for bringing your work into the world and just sharing these stories because I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes I feel like I'm diluting the stories or I need to know the stories first and then make them modern. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. And did you come from a family of writers or storytellers? So funny thing is, so on my mom's side, my great grandma, my grandpa's mom was a poet herself. And so there's actually like videos of her in Puerto Rico on her little balcony. What? Reciting these poems. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I got goosebumps. Oh my gosh. It's, it's like every time I see that side of the family, they're like, oh, you're following in like, her name was Maria Jesus. So oh. like you're following in Maria, Maria Jesus's footsteps. And oh. I'm like, I feel like, yeah, it's like in there. Oh. I, that side of the family is like either super political, they're like lawyers and, you know, uh-huh, like uh-huh. very into um, the politics in Puerto Rico and and then, or like writers. I also have a cousin who just um, wrote a book and I think oh, he's gosh. turning it into a screenplay. <laughs> Whoa, that, this year, like at the same time your book yeah, is coming Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so a like, celebration. We're writers, we're, my grandpa was, he was more like into math. He was like very oh. into numbers and like planning. He uh, was one of the, first people of Puerto Rican descent to work at the NASA Glenn Research Center. He was Fantastic. like an, wow. my grandpa, you know, a man, but uh, he was like, um, he did electrical work. So, you know, he wasn't like doing any crazy space stuff, but he did the electrical work in the building yeah. and he had his own like TV repair business when he what? was first. Yeah. When he was here. Yeah. One of those people. So I think I kind of get a lot of, a lot of my inspiration from him and just like the way he lived his life. My mom, she worked at the IRS for <laughs> Like oh, service. Yeah. Not like the IRS, the kind of people you get mad at, but yeah. you would do the phone calls when you were mad. <laughs> okay, gotcha. You know what I love too is I just feel like when you share this story with me, I'm, I've heard this before. In some way, people, I've heard the saying, as you probably have, it's like we're our ancestors' wildest dreams, but in some ways we're fairy tales. You know what I mean? Like there's something about the story that you're sharing with me. I'm so touched. And because really aren't all immigrants dreamers betting on their own potential for a better life with no promise of really anything back then and now. So I'm just curious, you know, being part of this legacy, this work ethic, this, I mean, it's really, that's so awesome, Stephanie. It really is. You, it is. And my dad too, you know, shout out him. He came to this country. Our whole family's back in Italy. There's nobody here, but him. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, he retired from the same. He worked at a a steel factory when, you know, he came. Because, again, he came from Calabria, Italy. So that's like southern. Okay. Like the bend of the the foot kind of. Got you. Yep. (laughs) area, but they were, you know, pretty, you saw the picture with the, yeah. the mushrooms. I was ah. in Italy. So that photo is from Italy when my dad took my mom and I, I was 10 months old. So beautiful. My parents are divorced now. They haven't been yeah. together since I was like three, but yeah, <laughs> for that little blip in time, uh, we got to go to Italy. I got to meet my grandma and like my family. Yeah. I don't remember, obviously I was sure. a baby, but yeah, I guess they had a lot of farmland. They grew up pretty poor. My dad, you know, said they would like sleep on the dirt floor and like he would have to go to 
the cemetery to make money by selling like treats or flowers or oh and I was like what'd you do with all your money dad he was like I wanted to buy clothes to impress the ladies like, <laughs> clearly it worked right yeah I guess That's how he got here man he got here some lady <laughs> his first wife saw him when she was on holiday in Italy and what? they and she like sent for him to come to America and I was like dad that is some pretty uh Bob origin story okay that's a third love story that also sounds like a personal essay or a poem. I love it. Clearly your family are of legends there. I, I think that is so fun. I mean, it, it sort of whisks you away, right? Like before you actually had the internet and I mean, they're just going on a feeling, right? Like that is so magical and remarkable. And so is there a party in the islands for your books and all this thing that are had? Like what's going on? Is there a celebration? I'm there to be. I have, you know, some like friends connections down in the island. I still have like family there. So yeah, we still yeah. have like cousins, all that good stuff. And I, you know, hopefully when it comes out, it'll it'll garner the attention that I'm hoping it does. I would love to get the book translated in Spanish. So that's something I'm going to be working on. Like, you know, I want the people who I wrote the book for and to be able to read it without any, without any struggles. Like I struggle reading Spanish sometimes. Say, I think I saw on, and we have it in the show notes. So everyone order it, get it signed by Stephanie the next time you see her out and about. And we're so happy to be able to share your book launch and your party in this exciting moment. I did read a little bit and really all of your poems and I've read this on social. They're so powerful and potent and for me raw. And it really, you know, stirs up a lot of just strength and power. And so can you talk a little bit about your influences, obviously your family, but like right now, like why, why do you feel that your book and your writing and work is relevant right now in this moment? It's actually kind of crazy that we're talking about it in this moment. Yeah. Um, book deals a lot with like reproductive injustice, reproductive yes. violence that happened, especially yes. on the island of Puerto Rico. Yes. Um, you know, the birth control pill trials took place there in the 50s. Um, there was mass sterilization that happened on yes. the island between the 50s and 60s. And I don't know, I started writing these poems uh-huh. and then I was like sort of writing my own story with reproductive mm-hmm. issues or yeah. experiences. And I started, you ever seen the um, meme of the guy from It's Always Sunny with like the red line and it's like, you know, he looks kind of crazy and he's (laughs) making all these connections. It's like the red thread. Uh, That's how I felt making this book. It was like, oh my God, then there's this connection here and this connection here. And it was just coming from a place of like my own experience. I don't know why this subject matter became like so important to me, but I started to just read. I actually read this book called Impossible Motherhood and it's by Irene. Villar, who is talked about in the book. So her grandmother, we talk, I love, you know, family histories and lineage are just fascinating to me. A a thousand percent. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So her grandmother is actually the famous like Puerto Rican nationalist Lolita Lebron, who in the 1954 went to the Capitol and went with two other who are also Puerto Rican nationalists and they took some guns. They didn't harm anybody, but they went with the Puerto Rican flag, you know, saying like, hey, what's happening in Puerto Rico is like obviously wrong. Like, you know, like we're here to fight for our rights as Puerto Ricans. Things in Puerto Rico, you know, not well. They're still not well. Mm -hmm. Um, The U.S. is, you know... Yes. The U.S. Yes, is doing yes. what the U.S. does. Yes. Places. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, being yeah. from the Philippines. <laughs> yes, yes. And I would say, too, I mean, I guess, and 
and I will say in my own, I'm, I'm on a learning curve and it's still curving, but getting to know you and just looking through your social and seeing, seeing it through your lens really helped me think about and open out and actually reach out to you because really I came as a lot of people do as Americans, as a tourist to Puerto Rico. I did actually will say my friend had a, a friend who married someone who was of Puerto Rican heritage. So we got to see the island in a different way. But when it's so I'm like touched when you say the island, like my family in California, when I would go back to the Philippines, they're like, you're going back home. So I was born in the Philippines. So there's this duality that's always happening. This lens I, where you have, you call a couple places home, right? South Lorraine, Italy for in your case, and also <laughs> the island. So just love how you weave all of these, these experiences and, and histories. And it's really powerful. Like I was reading, I actually had to re stop when I read a couple of your lines because they, I just want to sit with them for a minute. You know, it was like cascading the feeling and trying to imagine what that was like. So what are you hoping people will take away from reading your work and book? And is this, will you be doing more work along this theme or, or path? So I hope to, you know, I feel really, I've always felt very passionate. I don't know where it came from, but since I was a small child, you know, there's, I've just always had this sort of like rebellious, I don't want to say activist necessarily, because I think that word is very muddied now and sure. everybody likes to put that hat on and feel very self-important in a way yes, that makes yes. me kind of cringe a little bit. <laughs> but like, Dang. you know, I'm very passionate. I am. I'm very passionate about Puerto Rico. I've just, I was raised in South Lorraine, which if you're not familiar, is a very tight knit Puerto Rican community community. Mm -hmm. A bunch of families came from the island. It's like my best friends who I'm, you know, I'm still very, very close to. They're my best friends. Uh, we grew up together in South Lorraine mm -hmm. and their families are also like from Aww. Puerto Rico. And yes. it's funny because our grandparents have these connections back on the island. Like my one friend, wow. her grandma, my grandma went to elementary school together back, you know, oh my, my other so best cool. friend, like our grandpas were like really close friends growing up or like when they got here. And so there's like all these connections that are like very deep and Yes. I don't take that for granted. And I think yes. it's very special. Very proud of being from South Lorraine. Yes. I emphasize the South because if I say Lorraine, people are like, oh, Wellington or Grafton. They think like Lorraine County. And I'm like, no, baby, Lorraine, the city and the South Side, because that's where we all are. And if you go to South Lorraine, you go down this one street, Pearl Avenue, there's like murals of Puerto Rico. There's like oh, Puerto really? Rican flags everywhere. And wow. It's like, it, yeah, I feel like even though I didn't grow up in Puerto Rico, you know, I actually didn't visit the island for the first time until I was 30. Really? Wow. I think that age too is so pivotal, right? Yeah. Like that is probably, you could savor it in a different way than when oh, you were yeah. younger, right? And write about it, obviously, as we are seeing here. So <laughs> gosh, that's so beautiful. I, I can say too, and maybe you feel this way. I think that when a family does this journey, that we're talking about from your grandparents to your dad and your mom. And it's really hard to explain what it feels like to move to another country, to like literally uproot and believe that you can create a new life like that. So I, I would say with my mom, and maybe it's true, or dad, maybe it's true for you, is anyone who's Filipino, they looked Filipino in the mall, my mom would start talking to them in Filipino. Like there was this kind of a, you know, you create your family mm -hmm. where, you, where, where you're planted or where you land. And so I think that is very galvanizing too, right? Just have to raise and find culture in a different culture or, or, or retain your culture. Yeah, I, you know, 
I think we do. My family did a very good job of it. That's why, you know, we talk about I talk about my dad and like being Italian, but I also yeah. don't really know what that means because, again, yeah. all of our families back in Italy. Yeah. And so there isn't that like culture as much. And I was raised by my mom's family. Like I said, my parents had divorced when I was pretty young mm-hmm. and I, you know, so like being Puerto Rican to me is just so like that comes so naturally. That feels yes. like culture. That feels where I'm like most at home. Yeah. Um, which is funny too, because then like my last name's super Italian and people are like, huh? <laughs> it's so beautiful. And you know, it's so funny. So I love the way you say everything as opposed to I how I say it feels like a brand. Like it feels like this beautiful brand in and of itself. Yeah. Janese, right? Janese. I thought it was French actually when I first saw it. A lot of people have asked that if it's yeah. French. Yeah. It's, it's, I've looked at it. It's not a very popular, I don't know if it's a very popular Italian name. You know, like you hear the, the usual suspects, you hear some names and you're like, oh, that's super Italian. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think Janese is a little more unique. I don't, know what it like I've tried to look up like what does it mean in Italian yeah. and I can't find a meaning which I also have a poem about oh, in the book like yeah. the first first poem before we even get into the book it might feel like a dig at my father but it's not it's a little more like Christopher Columbus you know landed in on the islands in 1492 and he was of you know, Italian descent and kind of brought all the, brought all the trouble to say it nicely to the Mm -hmm. island. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously all of the horrors and trauma um, that the indigenous tribes there faced because of this man's action. So like, I'm trying, so this first poem is a little bit about kind of how I feel about my Italian heritage, a little bit uh, questioning it. How does it feel to be like of both of these things? Right, right. Um, How does it feel to carry this name? But I'm very proud of my name. You know, at any point as a writer, you can change and have a new pen name. I could have, you know, taken out my mom's last name. But to me, it's really important to like also give this name a different type of identity. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure there's like an Italian writer somewhere in my lineage. I think like my great grandfather. Really? On my Italian side, there's a book we have. And like my dad tells really tall tales. So sometimes it's hard to like under or like believe him or like get Uh the straight. (laughs) We don't have anybody to cross cross reference with because again, the rest of the family's in Italy. Right. But there's a book floating around. Apparently it's like a book of poems written by a grandfather type in the lineage. So Stephanie, that's fantastic. There's like this folklore. It feels mm-hmm. mystical, right? It feels like that's how I feel when you're, I mean, like I'm leaning in to the screen because we're recording and it's just, there's something magical about these kinds of stories to me because you share one thing with me or one story. I want to, oh, it's like you're down this path, right? You want to <laughs> write and explore. And that's really super, super fascinating. And I'm so thrilled that you're here to share this. And I know you have families. I feel like there's a fine line sometimes about writing about family and other people's stories and understanding where your story begins and where theirs ends. Right. And I'm, yeah. I will also say too, I love that you totally tipped it off perfectly. This mm-hmm. idea of a name as a brand, we're born brands essentially. And yeah we're inheriting those brands, which are really stories. And how do we peel back the layers, write a next chapter? And I find it so fascinating across so many, all the things, but the fact that your book right now is coming out in this moment for women and choice. And I mean, I just want, I would love to capitalize off the struggle, but like, no, I mean, like I, obviously we've all been in tears and just not sure about what's going to happen for the people we love, right? Who are the next generation who 
those choices that we had as young women. I want you to know, I also am really grateful that you're here for that reason too, because you're bringing, you're bringing it through a different lens. And I think that it helps to be able to talk about it. We wouldn't have a platform without your book, without you bringing up these generational traumas really through art. Yeah. The generational trauma, you know, and it's like people who faced these things, you know, these stories, where did they begin? You know, a lot of people, I'm always so surprised that people don't know like the history of say, you know, birth control, like the pill I'm so familiar with, or like how it started or like Planned Parenthood, God bless Planned Parenthood. You know, I've gone there a good amount of times, (laughs) talk about it in the book, but also the woman who founded Planned Parenthood was kind of like a eugenic, not kind of, she was a eugenicist and like said some really nasty things about communities of color and like birth Mm -hmm. control and like forcing, you know, uh, yeah. So I talk about, you know, that's also in the book and just, it's a lot of like duality, you know, I I guess I'm not like super, oh, you should do this. And like, this is terrible. And like, you know, it's just, everybody has to make choices at different points in their life and for different reasons. Yeah. And we don't know because we're not in those shoes and we're not experiencing those things. And I think the people that people kind of get away from this idea, they think like pro-choice means like, fuck babies. We hate them. Like, That's not it at all. Like pro-choice literally means I'm just pro you having the choice to do what you want with your body in your situation, whatever is right for you. Maybe that's not the choice I would make. But I, again, I'm not the one making the choice. So, right. you know, like, uh, yeah, it's it's just, I think the enforcement of like other people's views and everybody wants, you should live how I live. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like right. when does the world ever right. <laughs> done right. well with that mind thought, you know? Yeah. like. <laughs> so when you wrote it, I mean, was it healing to write it? Did it lead to more brainstorms around, oh, I need to put this in a different book or, you know, like, well, how did this open you up as a creative? Oh, yeah. It did. So I wrote, I had written some poems originally that were in the book about South Lorraine and like my best friend who she passed away when she was 21 and we grew up together. Yeah. And I had like written this really great poem about her and it was in the book originally, but then I was like, I don't know if this is the place for this book. And I have poems about South Lorraine that I'm kind of like, I kind of want to give it its own spotlight. Like, yes, yes. It's so special to me. The The people there, you know, like... I still go back. I mean, it's not far. It's like 20 minutes south. Yeah. So it's like, or 20 minutes west. It's not like so far away. But I love spending time there. It feels, but it also comes with like a lot of, tra- some of my most traumatic experiences happened in that place, you know, growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a poem in the book where I talk about, you know, my own sexual assault. Yeah. That happened in Lorraine. Yeah. And it's funny because like I took the poem and I'm like retelling the story of it. Yeah. But in the way that I like chose to kind of be, like you said, uh, see it through a new lens was that instead of the person's name, the boy's name, I changed it to America. And so it's all these Mm -hmm. ways that like this country is sort of, you know, assaulting, especially Puerto Rico, the colony, the people inside of the, you know, United States a lot of the time, especially like marginalized people. So it was like a new way to write about it. And it feels like now I'm in control of that narrative. Yes. Like yes. I, you know, like, like you yes. said, like you take the power back and. I just was going to say that I just got goosebumps and chills like, absolutely. And you speak your truth mm-hmm. from your lens and from your, you know, it's a different, but we had to go through this journey, right. As humans to get on this side, to be reflective and to build this body of work. So I'm going to say, I'm super excited about your book. I'm thinking, 
oh, what young teenager that I know can I give this book to? You know, it's like, I think that you're creating this, you're a role model, right? So to be able to have people who can't, whether you're published or not, just the act of writing and hearing your voice, seeing your voice being visible. I don't know if you feel this way, but when you were 10 or 11 sitting on the floor in your room, I didn't really, I I still don't know a Filipino author when I was that young, or I didn't really see it in the media. So yeah, I I celebrate you. Authors. Yeah. I feel that we weren't learning them in school. And so as an adult, I didn't even know like a lot of this history and I'm starting to I started to like learn it and unwrap it and then yeah. kind of, I'll say, became a little obsessed <laughs> with like reading yeah. about it and yeah. collecting books about on the subject of like just from different Puerto Rican authors. Like now my bookshelf, like my plan is to have this really like large library of Puerto Rican authors and like uh, stories that yeah. I can pass down, you know, to like my uh, children and their children. And uh, I want them to at least see the, see the titles and the names on the bookshelf, you know, to like, know that like, and my children are, you know, they're a hodgepodge of different things. They're Puerto Rican, Italian, obviously, but their dad is Egyptian and Syrian. Love it. Oh my God. (laughs) I, Stephanie, I love it. And it's also, we are building a cultural world, pop, Mm -hmm. pop culture, gender culture, identity culture. There's a quote that I've seen. We're undefinable, but also undeniable. And yeah. so that is just something where I'm so drawn to people who are more than one thing, whether it's from a cultural heritage. And so I'm just curious, what do your, what is your family, your next generation? So are, let's see, are you second generation then? And they are third generation. What would you call like, I think, how would you, I think I'm first generation. Yeah, first, first. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah, my parent, well, my mom was technically born here and like Puerto Rico's part of the, I'm using yes. quotes right now, part of yeah. the United States, but it to right. me, it's a different country. Yeah. That's how I feel. I hope to see it as its own country one day, yeah. a stable and free nation. But yeah, it's, so my kids are second generation and it's funny because their dad's also first generation. Like his ah. parents are, you know, his mom came from Syria. His dad came from Egypt. Ah. A lot of you know, language, a lot of food, a lot of just bashed over the head with like culture and like time. But I love it too. You know, like I hope that they understand like how special it is to, you know, have this like lineage and have these stories. And their great grandma, who's obviously from Syria, is here now. And they have like, yeah, she's in her nineties and they, you know, don't really, you know, my children don't know Arabic and she doesn't really know English, but like they have this way that they communicate and like this way they're like special relationship that they've formed since they were babies. You know, she was like their favorite person to be around when they were like little. And it's really like, it's really special to see. And I I, like the same thing. I love culture and like these stories. I think they're important to tell. They're important to keep. Same way that our ancestors told stories to make it through a lot of these like journeys. Journeys. You know, yeah. I'm in a in an African American literature class right now because, like you said, I'm like finishing up my associates at yes. uh, Tri C, and just like the generational stories, it's like you know mm-hmm. each culture, and it's like there was so much power in these stories, in song, in you know dance, yeah. and all these different uh, visual art, all the art form that like really I think were key in helping keep people resilient and help keep people like pushing through and being like yes. you know what like I like the joy is worth it, like yes. all this pain. All all this trauma, like to be around family, to just sit down and share our meals together. Like Mm -hmm. that's what kind of, that's the like silver lining to all of the, excuse my language, bullshit. (laughs) 
No, I love it. And I just want to, I want to go back to the, your, your mother-in-law, the grandmother. I think the language of love is there's something like obviously universal, right? Just like food and music. And I think this idea around connection and the past, but also bringing it into the, the present and future. I think that's so beautiful. And do you, I would love to see on the bookend, your book here, and then this book here from your, mm-hmm. the father of your children, just, uh, the, the, just that, like, what a fantastic story about being a modern generation, essentially, you know, how do you thread that together? How do you celebrate all of it? Right. So yeah. that's, that's remarkable. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so I wanted to ask you, and sometimes I have a go-to on my phone, so I want to make sure, cause I get excited then I forget, but what would, <laughs> what would you, Stephanie, tell your younger self that young Stephanie, that's sitting on the floor at 10 or 11, what would you say to your younger self looking back now? I would tell her to always like make sure the choices that you're making are for you and like what you want to do. Like don't give away your agency. Don't give away your power. Yeah. Because sometimes that might be the only thing you have. Yes. And, you know, like growing up without a lot of money, growing up, you know, without a lot of resources a lot of the time. And that was the one thing. And, you know, looking back, obviously, through the story and through my book, you'll kind of see in the ways that I like maybe gave up my power or like gave up my agency. And mm-hmm. in this book, it's kind of like through this book, through like the past two years, especially like, yeah, yeah, I've been really like prioritizing and figuring out. And it's like kind yeah. of, I always say it's kind of embarrassing as like a woman, you know, I'm 35, I have two children. And like now for the first time, it is kind of like, I'm just figuring out what do I want? Like, what do I, you know, I had children really young. I, you know, married their father pretty young and then we got divorced and then, you know, was in like not the best relationship for a really long time and like didn't feel like I had, you know, as much power, just trauma compounded, you know, experiences compounded. And now for the first time, I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, I'm like living in my own space with the children for the first time. And like, I get to make all the like decisions yes. and I get to, you know, like fill my refrigerator with the food I want. <laughs> and, and I have like, you know, the resources to do these things now. And so Fantastic. it it feels like sometimes I think I, I wish that I would have gotten here sooner, but at the same time, I don't know that I would have have the like gratitude and the like presence in it that I have now. So in a way I feel very, either way, I feel very blessed to be where I'm at now to be able to have this book come out into the world right now. Like it does feel like very, uh, people like to throw around divine timing, but it does feel like divine timing. (laughs) I think that's, yeah, I think that's, I, that's how I feel actually Mm -hmm. with everything that's happening in the world. And that's why I said, like, it feels like a lifetime in the making to get Mm -hmm. to this moment. When you really think about every single decision or pause or twist and turn and everything had to line up perfectly from your grandparents' stories to get you to this. Like, I always find that so miraculous. I just got goosebumps talking about that, right? Like, if you think about history going backwards and forwards, it's a pretty phenomenal thing. So I'm so glad I get to meet Steffi Janese 2022. And I, you know, you're welcome on the pod anytime. I'm such a fan. And I, I, uh, I know I DM'd you a couple of times when we started to get to know each other through like Cleveland and it's just so many wonderful human beings. And I'm so happy that you're staying in the clear in Northeast Ohio, because 
certainly you could take it to the road, to the island, to New York. And it's, oh. it's really wonderful that you're here, you know, during this time. I love Cleveland. Um, you know, yeah. I moved out of South Lorraine and into like Cleveland and the surrounding areas. So I turned 18 and I've just built a really great community here in Cleveland yes. and I feel the love like putting out this book also like the people that have been like reposting things about yes. the book just like the pre-order you know yes. the amount of pre-orders that we've gotten and like the amount of love and it's crazy and kind of just like I love it Cleveland's a very very special place and every person who like comes here and spends some time here you know they have this idea of Cleveland before they actually yeah. get here yep. but then there's like you know this thing like oh the people in Cleveland like that's yeah. what really makes the city and it's true yeah like yes. all my favorite people you know maybe that's just logistically because I'm here but all my favorite people are from here <laughs> even some of them that have moved away like my closest yeah. friends yeah the people I've met people from all over the world and it's like there's yeah. very there's something very special about yes. the folks from Cleveland and South Lorraine like, yeah there you go and I love the light around you just watching all the love and reposts of your book and just clearly they were ready for your story to be in the world and told through you, right? Like, I think that's a really special thing. So congrats on that. And I'm so definitely, you're welcome anytime, anytime back on the pod. I really want to hear how, maybe it's a year from now to see what life looks like after your book launch and, and all the things, but congrats. And I'm super excited about your party. And I, uh, I know we're rounding out the interview, but now we're going to my favorite part of the podcast. Are you ready, Stephanie? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. We are going into the lightning round. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay. Here we go. One thing you love eating. One thing I love eating. Yeah. Fruit. 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 I love fruit. Just fruit. like mango, perfectly ripe mm. mango is like my favorite, but also yes. like put that next to a perfectly ripe peach. But mm. like, I also feel like mango is like island peach. Yes. Peach is like mainland mango. Gotcha. So. <laughs> what's a traditional, can I ask, what's a traditional Puerto Rican dish for the holiday or birthdays? I remember going to Puerto Rico and there are all these stands a lot when you drive and they're all have like yummy foods. Like what, what's a traditional Puerto Rican dish? So like arroz con candules, which is like right, like red rice and beans. You know, my grandma used to make bacalao a lot. Ooh. And like, it's like fish. I think in Philippine, they call it like something, but it's like a salted cod. Mm. And like mm. onion and gieno, which is like a type of like banana-y plantain. Wow. It's boiled plantain. Gieno's yeah, boiled. Yeah. And then like onion and and then like bacalaitos, which are like fried oh. fish, like fritters. Yeah. I remember my coat would smell crazy when I would go to school <laughs> the next day. But it's like all of our parents <laughs> or grandparents made this food. So they'd be like, your grandma made bacalao last night. I can smell it. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, bruh. Like, I know I smell like fish right now, but... The food was great. Oh, yeah. Like olive oil, salt tea. It's, ugh, yeah. it's one of my favorite things. My mouth is watering. We had my, my Tita Ita. Tita is aunt. She would make boiled bananas. And so when you talk about that, you know, there's certain like mangoes, same in the Philippines, mm -hmm. very, very like a strong association and pineapple. So yeah. I was going to say, yeah, we pineapple. also, my, we would have fried fish and my mom, you know, it's like toyo and other things. So it's so funny to see the crossover. Well, the Philippines, a really strong thread through that because of colonization 
station and things. But anyway, that really makes me hungry. And last thing, what's the best Puerto Rican restaurant in Cleveland, other than your family's in South Lorraine? Like, what? What? Where's the best place to get good Puerto Rican food? So, oh, okay, I there's a pretty good, you know, like Rincon Criollo over there. Yes. On like uh, Detroit is pretty good. Um, but the food that I'm getting for the party is from a new kitchen. Like this uh-huh. new chef just put her little restaurant together. Not little. I don't know. I put little in front of everything, and I hate <laughs> that I do that. Um, it's a wonderful space called Chafiro. So uh-huh. Peggy Cruz is the chef, and food is good. All right. And so she's going to be doing the snacks for the book release party. So fantastic. Okay. So yeah, no, I'm glad I asked about that. Okay. I love food. So thank you for all that. Uh, one thing you're reading right now. Um, <laughs> well, since I'm in school, the thing that I'm reading is like the Norton anthology of African-American literature volume two uh, for this class, but I love it. I think the last, oh, I'm really excited. I have pre-ordered Safia El Helio's poetry book, Girls That Never Die. Ooh. And I am like anxiously, oh, it's like on its way. I think I should get it like today or tomorrow. Um, And I'm very, very excited. She's one of my favorite poets and I'm very excited to dive into that book. Love it. Love it. it But like, yes. (laughs) <laughs> love it. Love it. What, well, you are kind of, you got a lot going on, Stephanie, which is a good thing. One thing that makes you giggle. Um, my friends, my friends make me giggle. My kids make me giggle. I'm very, very blessed to be surrounded by the funniest people, like straight state, like professionally funny. They can all do comedy. My dream oh, is gosh. to get us all in like a writer's room together. Wow. Uh, the kids and like my best friends. Oh my gosh. What is sp- so many creative kindred spirits I across the board. That's, you must have so many fun dinner parties and parties. Okay. I'll leave it at that. One thing that makes you sizzle. Sizzle in like, like a good Mad, like, oh, okay. oh, like, the thing that makes me mad is, oh man, like ignorant people, ignorant people, just like not open-minded, can't see the like whole picture. You know the type. I don't, yes. guess I don't have to get specific, but we, we all know who I'm talking about, these type of people. Yes. That box is checked. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. One thing you love to give, stuff. One thing I love to give is I... Oh man, what do I love to give? I love to give people laughter. I love to make people laugh. I'm also like always trying to tell a story in a funny way or try out some like, you know, little little jokes and (laughs) one-liners here and there. Yeah, I love to give people the gift of laughter. Love it, love it. And hopefully soon, the gift of your book, right? For certain special people, what a beautiful, to me, a signed copy of your book. You know, now that you were just getting used to saying that, like how Brilliant and beautiful. Good for you. It's so exciting. Uh, one thing you love to get. To get is phone calls from like my friends and favorite people. I'm very big into like quality time and just like yes. being surrounded by the people I love. I have a bad, maybe not a bad habit, but a habit. If you're like one of the like five closest people to me, yeah. I will, and you like call me, I'll drop whatever I'm doing and oh, like no. take the call. Or like, if you're like, oh, I like want to see you. I'll like definitely like switch my plans for the day. We're hanging out. A lot of loss has happened in my life from an early age. And so I think that makes me, maybe it's like a, like a trauma response in a way, mm-hmm. but like, you never know, you know, when the last time you're going to see somebody is like life is yeah. just so unexpected. And so I try to be very present with people. And sometimes, you know, that means like work or like homework, we'll take a back seat. And like, sometimes the really important things that like, you know, I, maybe I should be doing, but I'd rather, you know, go on a bike ride or just go like hang out in the sunshine with like my favorite people. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. And also thank you for being so true 
and so open and just so real, Stephanie. I really, it comes across in your work and it comes across here. So I really appreciate you sharing all the things in the way that you do. Okay. One thing you'll never, ever do, like, I'm not going to do that. You will not find Stephanie Gina say ever doing this fill in the blank. What might it be? Um, <laughs> probably going on a cruise. <laughs> I was like, I have this fear. I'm not, I can't swim. I <laughs> Kind of have a fear of like big boats and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Titanic. I was like, I know what happens out there. Uh-uh. It's not going to happen to me. You're not going to catch me on a cruise ship. They kind of like scare me. Like in Puerto Rico, you know, if you oh, went yes. to like Old San Juan, the like yes. ships like dock there. And every time I walk, it's like this ominous, I don't know, it like sends a chill up my spine. I can't, I can't deal. Oh, so that <laughs> is so interesting because I have been to old San Juan and the Ford. And it's so, I mean, you try to imagine what that, but there are tons of those cruise ships and I've never been on a cruise ship either, but it's just, that's really fascinating. So that is the first answer ever on that. <laughs> I, have all of, I think you're 17, number 17 on the pod. So good to know. One thing that helps you through to get through a rough day, or it could be a poetry. drink, it could be a book. What is it? Poetry? Poetry. Like if yes. I'm like really going through it, you know, obviously like talking to the people that I love, they're great and wonderful, but like sometimes just like reading a really good poem or a poem mm -hmm. that like makes me feel not so alone or mm -hmm. a poem that like articulates feelings in this really like beautiful way. Like mm -hmm. there's so many great poets out there who like, whose books I just like go to, yeah. I like underline the lines and like, yeah. you know, like um, Safiya Alhilio, like I said, mm -hmm. Saeed Jones, mm. Monge Felix, like, wow. yeah. So when I was little and I'm curious, who's the first poet or poem that you remember when you were little? So funny. I really, and still to this day, I'm kind of like a really big fan of Edgar Allan Poe. Ah. It was funny in like the fourth grade, we were allowed to do like a book report on anything, any yeah. subject. Yeah. So like as fourth graders, you know, people were doing Michael Jordan, like right. the Olympic gymnasts at that time, like Dominique Muciano, I think yeah, was her yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you know, dolphins and yeah. like just really <laughs> these type of things. And I chose to do a book report on Edgar Allan Poe. And my teacher was like, okay, weirdo. And like, <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly you're highly emotionally intelligent. Like, I mean, how fantastic. That's really incredible. How are you exposed to Edgar Allan Poe? I mean, it, that's like a very heavy, dark kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, So my mom was like a pretty big reader. I didn't get exposed to Edgar Allan Poe through her, but like we would go to the library. And also, I don't know if you're a 90s kid, you'll definitely remember the show. Maybe I think it was on WVIZ, Wishbone with the dog who that's would hilarious. like- go it as a character into like all these like classic novels, like Pride and Prejudice, wow. you know, the Iliad and like all these like super, you know, uh, classic, like yeah, classic like, literature. Like deep like, classics, like big yeah. classics, like, oh my like, God. Have these adventures with his owner who was like a, you know, kid in like middle school. And then he would like connect it to these stories. And then he would like play a character in the reenactment of those stories. So I actually started reading like Jane Austen and like, really? and like all this because of that show. Wow. I love it. Stephanie. Oh, oh. my gosh. That damn I, dog. It's that damn dog's <laughs> fault. And so it's so crazy that this book is called Unto Dogs, which by the way, yeah. I'm not a dog person. I don't oh really God. like dogs. I don't like not, I'm, I'm allergic. I'm just kind of yeah. like, hey, they're all right. But like, I don't want to get too close. That, that's what I was curious about. Well, can I just share too? That's <laughs> yeah. fascinating. I'm so glad I would never have known we would come 
to Edgar Allan Poe at the beginning, at the top of the pod here. <laughs> but I can say when I was younger, I because language being bilingual, right? I'm mm-hmm. always fascinated by phonetics or words. And I always loved haikus because it was this absolute crystallized, you know, distilling the feeling. But I always loved E.E. E. Cummings. Like I just oh, love... Yeah. Because it was visual and also mm-hmm. all lowercase. So I think ever I still write my name in all lowercase because of E.E. coming. So this idea of E.E., you know, when you're young, I, I, you know, I have a different name, Jing. So E.E. as a brand, like I remember just feeling like it's funny how it unlocks or opens you up to things, right? Like you don't know you're not supposed to love Edgar Allan Poe or, you know, so I think that's so fantastic. Like <laughs> your mom, like kudos to her. That's awesome. I love I love, love, love that story. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> Hold on a second. One thing that delights you. Ooh, one thing that delights me is being outside in the yes. sunshine. I am definitely one of those people that like has seasonal depression. Like winter, for being an Ohioan my whole life, I am like, so like I love Cleveland and, you know, don't plan to leave it forever, ever, but I got to get, I need some sunshine. Like I need a place where I can be outside and on my bike, just laying in the grass, yes. outside on a blanket. Like I, I need that. Yes. I think we as humans need to recharge. We don't do that enough. You know, we need to be on our own charging dock. I'm with you on that. Okay. One thing that frightens you. That frightens me? Yeah. Ooh, one thing that frightens me is not, uh, not like uh, being able to see my full potential potential realized. Yes. Honestly, you know, like this book is like so cool, but I was so scared for a long time that it wouldn't have happened. And there were like a couple times that it almost didn't happen. So like shout out to Kevin Latimer and the whole Grieveland family for like a little wayward book of home. But I was always scared that I would get, you know, stuck maybe like yeah. in the rain. Like I didn't go off to college right away. And then like, you know, I got married young and had kids and I was like, oh, there go like, you know, you you have that idea because that's what you're told like once you have children like all your dreams are done you're never gonna like travel or like do the things you love or and I found that to not be true <laughs> obviously. Oh my. yeah I mean that's fantastic I feel like you're just getting started too I, I mean it's it, 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 like the kids are older now and so like yeah. you know there's not there's a little bit of guilt sometimes that I'm maybe you know too focused on like myself and like school and my like writing career right now. But at the same time, they're always like, no mom, like, you know, all these years, I was a stay at home mom for the first five years of their life. So like, you're very mature and very like, especially emotionally mature. And they're like, do you mom? Oh my gosh. I want to cry. So I want to say too, that really is, especially this moment, parenting through the pandemic. And I love that your work has been born through this crucible moment right? Crucial and crucible moment, like this burning, you know? And so I really commend you being a mom. We're all working through stuff, whether you're in home, you were working at home, you know, it's just like, it's a different, and I feel like that lens of motherhood, that sort of maternal instinct, I think it's more modernized. And I love that you're showing that to your family as an example. So kudos to you. That's, that's not easy. I could have done all these things if I wasn't a mother, you know, like, I don't know that the book would have gotten written. I don't know that like, I'd be, you know, in school trying to like attempt, you know, these degrees or like any of the things that I'm doing if I wasn't a mother. Yes. It's interesting. I think there's a quote from Mitch Album that talks about everyone's story begins with their mother's story, like that origin story. So I love that you have this captured in book form, beautiful thing. And I, I celebrate you and commend you because that is really, 
it's hard to carve and claim and stake that story for yourself that's separate from other spaces and places where you show up and are needed. And so I think that Literary Cleveland is a wonderful place to be able to find that soft, sacred space and time to find your people, your tribe. And so I feel like that's how we met had it not been through Lake Cleveland. Thank you, Matt Wycombe and Brandy Larson and all the wonderful people there. So I appreciate you sharing all that, Stephanie. So one thing on your bucket list, anything that you're like dying to do, you already, well, you checked a big box, the book, but is there anything on your bucket list? Yeah. Another thing on my bucket list is to do stand-up comedy. Oh my gosh. I love it. I can totally see that energy. You'd be great. I've yeah, I love comedy. I love watching com- ever since I was little. Like again, my mom would put on in living color and <laughs> we would just watch, especially like those John Leguizamo skits where he was, yeah. I think the Gloria was the character. That's um, watching that, that was always big in my house. Like we watched a lot of like stand-up comedy growing up. And so that just like bled into, you know, who like the entertainment I found. Even my kids like are really into stand up comedy now. And so we're at something that I've always wanted to do. And I think I'm getting like I started to like write little bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like now it's just getting up the courage to like stand in front of a mic and feel okay even if I bomb. <laughs> we need a Puerto Rican comic for sure. I think I think we need representation on the the comic yeah, stage yeah. too. Like when it's you like said women that. in comedy. There's yes. like, you know, not a lot of women or like even like you know like um there's more like there's starting you're starting to see like more yep. you're starting to see more women you're starting to see more queer folks you know non-binary yeah. folks doing comedy which is really yeah. great but it's still overly like male yes and especially I was at a comedy show last night and I was like really excited because like the flyer like the two hosts were like black and I knew one of the comics on those things yeah. and like I was like oh cool like mm-hmm. and it still ended up being a predominantly white because it was an open mic and so it pre- ended up being predominantly white males and I was like interesting oh. So maybe we should do another brown girl open <laughs> mic night where we could bring, I mean, like yeah. that would be a totally cool thing. We will talk about this, but it's interesting because I, I, I love comedy too, just because it's so smart and brilliant and it's so yeah. sharp, right? Like there is a high intellect when you're writing in I'm that so kind of, that. Yeah. yeah, like there's a sparseness to it, like haiku. And so, and it's the delivery. And so delivery. it's funny. And perspective, like yes. a certain type of perspective and like yes. telling jokes from that perspective. Yes. Are, my friend was saying that last night and I was like, yeah, you're a thousand percent Fascinating. Right. So, it, you know, when the books came out, like Amy Poehler, Yes, Please, and, and mm-hmm. Tina Fey, and just seeing there's an improvisational piece to it, but it's funny. So Chelsea Handler, Handler is dating a Filipino. What is Joe? Jo- oh yeah, Joe Coy, yeah. Filipino comedian. Yeah. So I'm like, yes. You know, even just seeing one Filipino, mm-hmm. one Filipino uh, who is in mask, right? Is like really making me laugh because I'm like, you know, there's Ali Wong and there's yeah, Cho Ali and other, but they're not my Asian. Like I'm other in the other Filipino. So I just wanted to say, I love it. I will totally be there. So let <laughs> me know when you've got the show and I will. Right, I'm going to make it happen. I'm All right. Happen. <laughs> uh, my friends. Awesome. Uh, one thing no one would believe about you, Steffi, maybe it's the comedy thing. What What's one thing no one would believe about you? I think actually one thing people wouldn't believe about me is I'm extremely sensitive. Like I, I think people I come off, you know, cause I'm always joking. And sometimes I do make like really like harsh jokes or like mm. uh, I can talk very bluntly. And I think, you know, or people see me as like strong, you know, like yeah, yeah. type of 
labels that folks put on you. And I'm extremely sensitive. Like mm-hmm. I cry from movies all the time. A yeah. song will make me cry. Thinking about certain things will make me cry. Like I'm, I'm a big crier. <laughs> you know, I also was told sometimes that I was too much and too sensitive, like two sides mm-hmm. of the coin, right? When you're young. And yeah. now I see it as a superpower because it's empathy in motion. It's humanity in motion. You feel all the things, right? Which it's a, what comes, a gift too to feel all the is. things. Like it's such a, you know, that you it get is. Things. That's right. And I love that you speak your truth and share so much of yourself in this transparent way because it's easy to filter it or soften it or, and I love that it's on the page. And so kudos to you. One thing you want always to be true about you, Stephanie. I always want true about me is that I'm authentic, that I'm, yes. that I'm yes. never like trying to be anyone else or put on any sort of like front or identifier or label, like all of these things, you know, mother, woman, uh, you know, a Puerto Rican, Italian, like writer, all these things are great. And like, they do make me, you know, like, I guess who I am, but at the same time, like at the core of it all, if all of that went away, you know, like I still want to know that I be me, that I'd be like authentically just me. Yes, yes. And that is, I, I can feel that a thousand percent, a thousand percent. So, oh, and one last thing. So typically I end it with anything else you want to share, anything else that we want to drop and promote just one last time. No, just like buy the book. Oh, the um, I think okay. at the beginning you had asked me about the title and I do yes, want to yes, tell yes. the story of how I got this title because I get this question a lot. So if we've got it on a podcast, people can hear it, then they yes. want But it's actually funny. I was, didn't have a title, couldn't think of a title. I was like, I don't, I don't know. And then I saw this thing on Twitter where it said, take the first word in your manuscript and the last word in your manuscript and put them together. And at the time, the first poem... It's not that way anymore, but at the time when I saw this, the first word was unto, mm-hmm. and then the last word, which is still dogs. Like, that's the last word of the book. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. And my friend, I told him that story, or like told him what it was, and he was like, yo, that's a really like dope title. Like, it is really cool title. And I was like, oh, yeah, like kind of. And then like, I didn't really think about it again. And then it was a few days later, maybe in like, a couple of weeks later and he yeah. was like two dogs and he was like see I remember it yeah and he yeah. was like the fact that I like remember it the fact that it like sticks he was like I don't know I think you got yourself a title and then I started looking at all the poems and I was like yeah. oh there are these like connections to like dogs or like I have a poem about a certain phrase that we say in Spanish kind of like a swear at somebody hija de la gran puta which means like daughter of the greatest bitch. (laughs) Ah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's pause just a second. Will you say that one more time? I love when you say like, say it one more time so I can hear it. Hija de la gran puta. Oh my gosh. I used to think when I was little and I would hear it, I thought it was like a long, I I say it in the poem. It's like all one word. And it's like, you know, actually. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love, I'm so glad you came back to this because now I'm never going to look at your book cover without (laughs) hearing that. Right. And so, Oh my God. Good for you. And it is a really powerful title because tell me more about this, right? It also feels like a song or a band to me. I don't know why. That's how it feels. It's funny because like the friend who came up, shout out TJ, also Peach Curls, look him up on all your streaming (laughs) services. He's a musician. And so like, like has that, I guess maybe sort of like knack 
you know, a songwriter too. So like there's that connection uh, maybe that he made, but yeah, I was like, yeah, it just sounded cool. And I was like, it does sound really unique. And like, then you would like, what is this book about? Like, you're not going to know based off the title cover. And you're like, how do all these things connect? And then once you get into the book, you're like, Oh, and once yes. I feel like when you finish that last poem and that last line, which the last word is dogs, you're gonna be like, oh. And yes. so I love big, like, not to like use a corny Oprah word, but like, aha moments. Well, <laughs> oh like, my gosh, epic. And I will say, everyone, go to the show notes, get the book, check out Stephanie's work on social. We've got all of that in the show notes. And let's give it up. We're gonna drop the pod mic right there. Oh my gosh, Stephanie, Janae, say, Congrats on all the things. Also, it seems like a timeless book. It's the just you help do this time travel on this podcast. And I'm forever grateful that we had this moment together. Oh my gosh, just your family and folklore and tales. And uh, again, congrats and check out the book. And thanks for coming on Next Thing with Jay. Thank you for having me. Want to design a work life and real life you love and your own next thing? Reach out for one-to-one consulting, group coaching, or book me for speaking. Follow along on Insta at juju.jing and LinkedIn. And if you're loving the pod, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave a review. Learn more at jinging.com and otherbrowngirl.com. Thanks so much for listening to Next Thing with Jing. Share your light, be the spark, start your new story. Keep shining even when things go dark. Cheers, and here's to your next chapter, new adventure starting now. Catch you next time on Next Thing with Jing.